Hello, welcome to the opening podcast for iDream Library. This is the iDream Library channel and all of you who are joining me here today are part of my dream team. My name is Aisha Kiani and I'm the creator and curator of iDream Library. Um, I wanted to say thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much for clicking the link and coming to check us out. Thank you so much for caring about diversity in early literacy. We are all so blessed that you're here to listen, to learn, to take some of this information and share it with your community to action allyship. We're so blessed um, to have you here today. So thank you so much and a big round of applause, snaps. Oh my gosh, those were such weak snaps. Um, if there was a little recording for snaps, I would give it to you. Um, snaps for you to for coming here today so let's get into it um, hi everybody I dream library we're gonna start off by bringing you into the world of sort of what we do and how we got started so let me explain a little bit to you about what iDream Library is. First, um, let's talk about the name. So Dream really is, has a few different purposes. Number one, um, it functions as an acronym. Number two, it functions as a continuation of the work of Dr. Martin Luther King and Coretta Scott King and their legacy and their family's legacy. Number three is really that I'm just the conduit for information that needs to be um, shared here on earth. And I woke up sometime in March 2017 from a sleep as I do. And the first thing that entered my mind was, oh my gosh, dream that's what I have to do. I have to make my dream a reality. And at the time I was really struggling with, you know, the fact that there was such an obvious lack of representation and straight forward disregard and apathy around the lack of representation of diverse literature in my son's school. And I won't say that all of the educators or administrators shared this position, but the people um, that were directly involved with my son, I felt, were not taking the action or waiting for me to facilitate something. So I was like, okay, Instead of being so irritated at um, the fact that people are coming to me saying, I don't know, 
what can I do with that that won't completely exhaust my mental? What can I do about that? How can I take action in this space and observe it as an opportunity for my intellect or, you know, um, just my ability to kind of channel necessary projects and information you know my human vessel to be important in the world right now so I didn't know how this opportunity was going to land if it was going to be something garnered off years of my research and understanding that led me to the frustration whether it was going to be me accessing sort of um, the ability to channel what was the best answer to this solution of lack of representation and educators who were not involved with communities that were being underrepresented and or marginalized and or racialized and or intersectionally part of all three of those groups. You know, I was like not sure how it was going to happen. So I let myself just Um, be in a receptive state for the information and in March 2017 I woke up and um, there there the answer was it was a dream and it was just I dream library Um, the library I've always dreamed of seeing since Uh, I was a child and particularly six years old the first time I entered a kindergarten in this very white and, um, you know, Christian town that I ended up moving to at six years old and I entered my uh, second school and it was in the middle of kindergarten and I realized that I was visible nowhere in the room, not only with my classmates or my teachers or posters on the wall, but my go-to section, which was always books. And um, <clears throat> there, I, my, my dreams of being a writer, being a creator, being a contributor to the world of literature when I got older, which for me was just write, telling stories, telling stories. I want to write stories. And in our culture, we, we, we tell stories, not orally, but by writing them down and sharing them with everybody in these things called books. And I really wanted to be part of that. And I looked at my bookshelf and I was not in my bookshelf. So it didn't feel like my bookshelf. And ultimately, um, I decided that to be part of this, I was going to have to blend into this dominant group of people as much as possible and really, you know, decided that code switching would be part of my survival if I were to ever be here to create and contribute as a writer. And that is not a space that I I want for anybody else. But I walked into my son's kindergarten and grade one classrooms and grade two classrooms and I I saw the exact same thing you know almost 30 years later so this was such a disheartening visual for me and really helped me remember um you know my my inner child my younger self and that I had something to contribute and I was able to now actually be part of the solution because I wasn't six years old and powerless in the situation anymore and having to resign myself to the authority of others but 
I was in my 30s and I was taller and I had the privileges of adulthood and you know my voice mattered and it was you know 2017 2018 2019 so I I really felt empowered um, to answer this question and this you know sort of original pain body that lived in my creative self so that is my long preamble to tell you that I Dream Library really came through as a purpose for me and uh, an answer to a question that had been asked long ago, not only by me, but by so many children of color in a culturally white dominated society and so I decided that um, I would just wait until more information in terms of what the best way to construct this project came about and I waited and I waited and I tried to rush it too I tried to rush the inspiration and you know any creative person or entrepreneur I think knows that there's a fine balance between the creativity and the passion and the vision and um, the time it takes to act it out and sometimes you can create a schedule for a project that is not ready to bloom yet and if you rush blooming you know you can burn out and you can kill it and you can sort of um, leave something you know too early because you've got like a, a time schedule for a thing that is coming from a space that is not linear right and so I think we have to with inspiration understand that like uh, the timing and the patience is very important of it and how to act in a way that supports when you know the vision is is coming through and is ready so it took me (laughs) like two years before the perfect timing presented itself and that perfect timing um, you know happened in January 2019 and during that two years what was so fabulous was I said okay while I'm waiting while I'm missing pieces I'm gonna practice a couple things that I feel like I'm gonna need you know I'm gonna create these baskets to be able to catch my blessings So I, you know, immediately April, May started to uh, learn how to build my own website and design my website because visuals and are are a huge part of what helps my ideas take shape as using sort of like graphic design and visuals and constructing the, the vision board for the project and I thought that um, playing around with designing and being inspired by the colors and um, and visuals and placements of information might be a nice way to learn and to sort of incite more inspiration to come through quickly and have more questions answered around the delivery of the project. So I did that. I did a lot of research, a lot of categorizing of books 
um, into what I thought would be helpful categories. The concept of categories was very vague. Um, why categories were necessary? Should there be categories at all or should we just let it blend? Um, you know, what is the voice of iDream Library? What is iDream Library trying to say? So similar in how, you, you know, one would write a book, which is to begin with a concept or an inspiration or idea or a question that you ask yourself and have characters emerge from there. There is a space where um, the characters sort of begin to, uh, you know, shape the stories and have their own interactions and you're just facilitating their expression between themselves, you know, like it's, it's not about your control, but it's sort of like the different ways and the different um, messages that the characters have. And so I, I treated I Dream Library the same way in terms of how the curation of the project um, came about or how it was to be delivered, actually. Yeah, the, how the project would be best delivered and like most impactful and who's the audience and... You know, I didn't attack it on a timeline and with a marketing perspective. I was like, really, who's, who is the audience? Like, who are we talking to? Uh, who needs this most? Um, who's facilitating this? Who, what, you know, um, how was probably the last question that got answered. And I just answer that question a little bit every day now. But, you know, really was like, who and what were... The framework for the design for iDream Library in that first year of research and development of concept. So by the time January came, I was able to offer, you know, the solution. Maybe I'll do another podcast about the scenario that triggered this offer. <laughs> I think that would be best. Um, but there was a problem, there was a situation um, that was based on, you know, a, a white supremacist view of what was important in terms of like literature. And I saw it and I could and knew clearly I, what was happening. And I said, you know what, I'm going to acknowledge what's happening and then I'm going to... Um, see how the work that I can do can be part of the solution because I think I'm ready now to at least sort of offer something and so finally iDream Library was ready to offer its first um, project during Black History Month to the Vancouver School District in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada and so I just curated five books with Rakim my son, who also curates as well, he's part of the Kidlit curation team. Um, you know, we picked five books and then developed an educator's resource around those books, around how to take those lessons and, and land them and ground them in the classroom and through the community, and offered it to the 110 schools in the district. and great lovely good response was there a lot of engagement I'm not sure <laughs> I don't really have a way to measure that but I have heard 
from people who did engage with it, that they were grateful for it, that it was the first time they had ever seen the district put out like a focused resource to teach black history or offer a way to access, you know, the incredible and important impact of uh, the Pan-African communities today in history and in our future. Acknowledging that black culture is our future and is part of our future and has been part of like the history of the earth and just look at it in a holistic um, way that didn't reside or ground or originate itself in a place of trauma, which I think you know, often white educators do because maybe that's all they know, but that still empowers their own supremacy when they first begin speaking about black culture in terms of um, something that is, you know, a deeply painful part of all of our history. That's so awful to, to begin there, you know? Like, don't you know who your mother is? Like, hello, that's so rude um, in terms of the original people of the earth. That's awful. To start from there, so we didn't, and um, the resource was well received. We're really happy about it, and we did another one for Women's History Month and continued to engage with uh, different educator committees and, and um, you know, sort of pro D days and things like that to be able to meet educators and see where their level of learning or understanding was at, and that was very helpful have a really great mentor in terms of interacting with educators in the Vancouver community and how to take iDream Library and offer it in a way that is accessible to those educators um, specifically because educators um, we shouldn't also paint them under one all with one brush sort of you know the the, the knowledge also of how to engage with marginalized or racialized communities comes from like also interacting with these communities um and and in vancouver we don't really do that you know that is not something that there's that is something that many educators have not done they have never taught a black child before and if they have it's been one a singular child who is visible as black and you know from their erasure apathy microaggressions you know all of these words we can apply to sort of how that child is either recognized or brushed over with this still very popular concept of color blindness that a lot of our elder educators and even some of the younger ones do enlist to be able to, I guess, bring or I guess, provide what they see as equal education, right? It's, it's still just the delivery of colonial education. So, yeah, I mean... We, I've just been doing research on, on sort of how I Dream Library can fit with educators and 
it's been a really great like February to I guess we're beginning June now yeah it's been a great four months or so and uh, I'm looking forward to the summer and we've put out a course for educators that really is a way to offer back what I've been researching for the past two years and specifically the past four months seeing sort of where the gaps of knowledge are and how to be able to help educators confidently approach topics of social justice through literacy and instead of just coming to iDream Library and looking for all the answers there we want to empower educators with the tools to go out into bookstores bravely and choose their own titles, choose their own novels and um, offer them in their classrooms and in their public and private spaces that they hold leadership roles as educators, as community leaders, as parents and caregivers, um, as civil servants, you know, as elected officials, as students, you know, come like everyone, it's for everyone. So, yeah, I'm, I'm so thankful and grateful to be able to be at this place where, you know, a moment when I was six years old of so much trauma that was then obviously compounded through the years as I continued to code switch and um, put very you know, obvious and visible reminders of my mixed cultures away to the recesses of my identity to be able to feel empowered in my ability to write as I stood alongside these great white writers of our history um, and just acknowledge how much pain that caused me because, you know, that history has also caused so much violence towards the other part of my culture and currently in where I live in North America there is a huge battle between Christian and Muslim societies so you know being Muslim growing up and not currently practicing because of the amount of self-hate and hiding that ended up becoming a part of my identity and I still have to sort out. Um, being, you know, converting to Christianity, then leaving that when the racism became more obvious and my devotion was just not strong enough to give myself up you know I wasn't gonna do that and because for me I was like hello like Jesus was black and was from like my you know father's part of the world I don't understand what what the racism is about I just the logic just totally threw me so yeah this is the story of our genesis of I Dream Library this is a podcast to let you all know that we're here Um, to be able to have like a little bit of 
a one-on-one with you guys about you know who it is that has like offered this project and I would like to continue to share um, ideas around our social engagements um, our community engagements and just our ideas and our collaborations and who we'd like to feature I just want to keep building with you guys and let you all know that you're so important and you're part of the answer to a real big problem which is uh, people in positions of power who lack basic human empathy and so empathy is something that we can learn and we can learn when it becomes um, a cultural priority and we can learn when we understand that to make it a cultural priority we have to make it part of the muscle memory and our identity we need to you know drop it down in our dna like it needs to be an epigenetic reflex that we click in in this generation and that it shows up in 30 years when these kids grow up and are able to achieve positions as policymakers and lawmakers and developers and entrepreneurs that it shows up in their grandchildren that it shows up in their grandchildren's grandchildren so you know this is BIPOC economics this is you know the survival of um, queer identities in the future this is all about the future and if you go to our site you're gonna see I dream library diverse queer and allied the future of educational literature you know that is who we are and what we are and I am very very excited to design it with you for you channel it and create it and share it um, with all of you which is many communities as are participating and want to reach out and want to collaborate like I'm down hold on one second here sorry oh um, I have to help a little bug in my house transition to a different space um cool okay well you know thank you (laughs) and we'll talk to you all soon dream team aisha yasmin signing out ciao